Welcome to the Church of the Living God Mount Sterling podcast. We hope you are blessed by this message. For more information about our church, follow us on Facebook by searching for our page, Church of the Living God Mount Sterling. We would love to connect with you, pray with you, and hear what God is doing in your life. Now grab your Bibles and let's get into God's Word. Now I want you to know here, as I was standing here this morning, I was thinking about how awesome God is to a group of people that has a, a worship team that can bring presence like this before you ever grow into anything larger than you are. See, it's a real blessing. It's a real um, proving of God's hand on you and how that he has promoted the best so that you can have a result such as we've had today. How many of you know presence is, uh, there is just really no church without presence. There is no real work of God in us without presence. And many people don't know how to achieve presence. And it's because we're not really taught that early in our lives. We're more uh, into other things. But if you don't have presence, you don't have other things properly. Can you say amen? The Bible teaches me that to receive the kingdom changes my ignorance to wisdom. In other words, the things I didn't know or thought I knew seem to disintegrate as I learned him. The Bible says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. The Bible said that's in the Holy Ghost. So if it's righteousness that I had nothing to do with, that is kind of beyond me because we're used to making stuff happen. You got it? We're used to causing something to happen, but God made us righteous. And he did that because we could never have done that. The obligation to understand that is self-sacrifice. When I really enter the kingdom of God or the kingdom of God enters me, what it does is it brings about a spirit of crucifixion. The kingdom is not something that works in us without it. Now, how many of you know you can understand the kingdom but not have kingdom power? You can. You can understand Jesus and what he did and never be saved. Understanding doesn't necessarily get you there until your understanding becomes a conviction of your life. If you understand something and it convicts who you are, then you become what you're convicted for and about. I believe today that we have a lot of knowledge without conviction on a personal level. For us to preach the kingdom, we have to understand then that all the kings that want to reign in our lives are going to be dealt with as we proceed in God. Now, that's not fun, but it has to happen. How many of you know storms will come, but they're not for destruction? What they're for is to elevate what God put in you. Everything God wants to do in you, he will test you before he elevates you. Everything God promises you, he will have you walk through a time that seems that you're deserted before you ever receive it. The reason for that is to establish you. How many of you know without being established, we're known as a flake? <laughs> and there's a lot of flaky people today who want to leave the earth and invade heaven. It's kind of like a border crisis. There's no citizenship, but yet they want to take over heaven. You can't take over something unless you're a citizen. And a citizen of the kingdom has been processed. Someone who's processed. 
broken, someone who realizes the power of the presence or the power of creation and what time they're to be used in the demonstration of the kingdom and the earth. The Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and it says everything that's in it is God's. Now we know that that's true, but I don't think sometimes we realize that if it belongs to God, then it's God's to give and it's God's to take. So being a servant is much, much, much far better and far greater than being what Pastor said this morning, a lion. A lion roars because he intimidates. He wants to intimidate. Now, I know there's a lion of Judah, and that's not an intimidating sound, but I wanted to use the jungle force. He's an intimidator. Doesn't mean he also isn't a killer, but he is an intimidator. But what the enemy is, is an intimidator. He wants to use all your weaknesses to intimidate you not to walk in your anointing. So they roar constantly in your life. If you listen long enough, they'll root in you and they'll produce fruit. And so the kingdom cannot come when that lion's roar is louder than the sound of the worship or the prophetic in your life. We're all there. Every one of you sitting in this room, if you were to be honest, know good and well that your trust in the Lord is being worked on. Proverbs 3 and 5 said, trust in the Lord with a little bit of your heart. How much of your heart? How much? All can get to you. When God wants everything, that's a big, big deal. So let's take it a piece at a time. God wants everything, but does he ask for everything at once? No. God wants you to be established. So what God's going to ask for is whatever is intimidating the anointing he called you in and for. So he'll ask for whatever king has raised its head in your life to keep you from being able to walk in kingdom authority. That's what he asks for. Now, when you get that accomplished, don't get me wrong. He's coming along again because you're greater than what you've already become. And so he's going to ask for something else. How many of you know when you first got saved and you hadn't been taught about tithe? I was raised in a church, so I was taught about tithe by the time I climbed out and got here. But a lot of people don't know a thing about it. So when somebody comes and they tell you God wants 10% of your money or you need to give 10% of your money or whatever they tell you, you look at them like, yeah, sure, you're nuts. I'm not doing it. Because, see, you're not trained. You don't have a heart for the kingdom either. All you want to do is make heaven. And so that's where you're at. You just got saved. And you, you're not trying to, to produce nothing in the earth. You're just hanging on, trying to keep your salvation and your sin nature where it needs to be. You're working this thing out. But by the time you begin to grow in God and you sit there and you become a part of something or you become a member of something or you become filled with vision, then all of a sudden you realize, well, I need to support this. And then you understand what tithing is or what giving is. And you realize you're buying into kingdom process. Now, that don't mean that you're going to get a book of payments. What it means is, is that you're making an investment. You see, that's what the cross is. The cross is an investment in the earth. It wasn't that he just stood there, died because he felt like dying. No, he made an investment, and it cost him everything. See, his ultimate destiny was not to come to the earth to preach. 
His ultimate destiny was not to just tell people the kingdom has come near you. His ultimate destiny was to give us an open heaven and an open door so that we, everyone, could allow the kings that have been in, invested in our lives through the fallen nature of others or forefathers and allow the kingdom to come in us. And as it happens and teaching is processed in our lives, something begins to happen. We get convicted and we start processing and changing and we start trusting something that we would have never trusted before because we have a nature change. And what is happening in many, many lives today is the church system is failing and we know it, but the kingdom of God is progressing and we see it. And the reason the kingdom of God is progressing and we see it is because it is investment in each other and God's investment in us. And so it's a relational matter. Now, as we have church and we come to have church, we can do everything that the church usually does, and we can go out unchanged, that's for sure. Did you know that the prosperity of understanding the Word sometimes will harden your heart more than sin? Because unless you're convicted that that Word is yours, you just listen to it and you fly right by it. You see, because there's something about having conviction in your life to be who God originally wanted you to be that causes you to not listen to a sermon the same way. It causes you to listen for an investment in your life. Everyone should listen to see what God wants to invest in your life today. If fear has taken hold of any part of your life, God wants to make an investment in you so that fear will have no root and faith can take its place. You do understand when we pray, Thy kingdom come, we're asking for our kings to go. When we pray, Thy kingdom come and Thy will be done, we're asking for our will to die and His to live through us. So he said, when you pray, pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Let's stop right there. That will take you a lifetime. And every time you pray that way, you're going to die just a little bit more. Can you say amen? Somebody help me preach today. I want to tell you something that trust in the Lord. If you trust in the Lord with all of your heart, you're going to realize that it's going to take you a lifetime because you don't know what's in your heart. Now, we religious people, we think that we already know what's in our heart. I hope there's none here today because I will offend you by telling you that's the first lie that has kept you from your best self because you don't know what's in your heart until something appears in your life that tests what's in you. Now, what, listen to me. We don't know when a failure is in front of us. We know when a failure is behind us. We know our history, but we're not sure of our future because we see ourselves through our hindsight. Now, here's how it happens to change us. When we begin to walk in an anointing despite ourselves, we have the ability then to use faith that comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But the moment that we decide to look back and continue to look back, we become hardened religious church people that really never changes our community or our world because we're not interested in that. We're interested in going to church and then getting out by 12 and going to lunch. And we're interested in not doing anything that we don't have to do because we're busy people trying to make a way in this world. And listen, I understand that, but that is not the way kingdom-hearted individuals feel. Did you know that my God is a consuming fire? 
And he does never stop working in me. He never stops asking me, even at this age, to change so I can live a little bit longer. You see, when you're destined to make a difference in the world, your age cannot penetrate your future. So you can't look at how old you are. You look at how young God sees you so that you're able to go forward. And even though I don't see it, he's still working because he worked it out in hindsight rather than in my future. My future comes from my beginning. It never comes from the present. Whatever I'm in in the present is an opportunity for a greater anointing. My trials, my tribulations, my failures, and my successes will all make me greater if I can press through them. i got to trust the Lord. Trust the Lord with all of my heart. And then I have to fight this understanding of mine. Lean not on your own understanding. And then my ways. How many of you have ever looked at your ways and thought, hmm, some of them's Jesus and some of them definitely are not Jesus? Huh? Are you the only one? Yeah, that's the way you feel. Can I be real? That's the way you feel when this starts happening. I am the only one like this. I have news for you. You're not. But you could be the only one affected a certain way by it, by the choices you make. Somebody else could have had the same thing happen, and the reason you don't know it is because they've already walked past it. But if you don't walk past it, it will always occupy your future. It is up to you to walk, not God. It's up to me to make decisions, not God. It's up to me to pray the prayer of faith, not God. God will not do what he's given me dominion to do. It's up to me to pray this way, thy kingdom come. I will tell you something. There's been many times in my life where I thought, you know, it's time for me to retire. I feel like that I've done all I need to do. Folks are still crazy, and I'm not going to just sit around and just, just go crazy with them. It's time to retire. And every time I ever thought that, I don't need more, but every time I thought that, the Lord would have somebody come along and tell me something they wanted me to come and do. So I thought to myself, is God trying to tell me that he's got work he wants me to do that don't fit into the present? That the present would be, okay, I've done this, I've accomplished this, this is good stuff, I can hand this off. Nope. God was telling me, you don't hand anything off. Because what you do is you continue to impart and impart and impart until your sons do it better. The reality is, is that when you have entered a kingdom movement, you have not entered just a pastor and a board. You have entered a father and son relationship. And the spirit of that is reproduction. And what happens is, is what one does a certain way, the sons do a certain way and even better as time moves forward. Not that it's Better in the sense that it's a better quality. It means something fresh is added to it. So listen to me. You can never add something fresh to your life when you feel like everything is fresh. You'll never be hungry when you've just eaten. As long as we feel satisfied where we are, our future is waiting on us, but we're not going to be able to go there. So I said all of that to establish in your mind the fact that you're not just a churchgoer, you're a, you're a world changer. It may be a small world, maybe just the world you're in, but that's a big world to a lot of people because we don't know how many we actually influence. But at any rate, it said, don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't be a wise guy. 
I said to my grandson the other day, you know what, you're too, you, you, you think you're too smart. You're not very smart. You're not very smart or you wouldn't have did that in my house. Okay, you're not very smart. And God, you know, the Holy Spirit says, you know, you think you're really smart and you really are called and you really are anointed and you really have got all of this and you really have got a bag and you got chips in it and everything, but you're not very smart with it. You're not very smart with it, which simply means you're not using what I've given you very well. When we look at it, and we become normalized by it, it's not supernatural anymore. In other words, when a song no more moves me, i got to move to a new one. Because it has, I have to be moved when I enter the work of the Lord. We have to be moved. That simply means we have to learn how to work our relationship with God so we don't become rhythms in the earth, but we become difference makers. So worship preaching, going to church, building a family. How many of you know kingdom citizens are family builders? They impart God into their families. So when we trust God, what we're doing is we're trusting God's opinion of life. We're trusting God's way of thinking rather than the secular way of thinking that we're all involved in today. Now, here in our world we live in today, we're challenged we're challenged in a lot of ways. And the reason we're challenged is because it must be dealt with. Anything you're challenged in must be, say it back to me, must be dealt with. It's not the end of something. It's the end of, of, of the time you're in. It's the end of something in your time. And the only people that can end something in our time is us. We are the only one that can end something that isn't proper in our own time. And so, I wanted to encourage you today by telling you, don't ask God to end something. Don't ask God to do something. Don't ask God to build something that he's given you the power to make choices to end, to build, and to do. Because if you will do that, you'll find out then that the kingdom of God is not meat, nor is it drink. But it was spiritually imparted to you, and you had every ability to do every good and perfect thing that God put in your life to do here in this earth while you're here. You're empowered by God to be a difference in the world you live in. Now, church can be a roar. It can be a great rushing water. It can be a big sound, or it can be a steady, solid influence in a community. A steady, solid influence is much better than a four-day revival. Yet we've been trained, we want to move of God. I don't want to move of God outside of me. I've had many moves of God that were inside of me that came outside of me for other people. But I don't want a move of God that falls on me. I want God to flush thoroughly and completely out of me upon this earth. So when we see it that way, what we then are aware of is that if there's anything in my stream that God feels like he can't use for that stream, I have to recognize I'm in line for being dealt with by the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? The Bible says, don't be wise in your own eyes for the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be what? Healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Nine, honor the Lord with your wealth. And from all your produce, so the barns will be full and plenty, and your vats will overflow with wine. I'm really reading this because I'm going to the, to the part I want to get to. And my son, don't reject the discipline of the Lord. 
For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as the Father corrects the Son in whom he is delighted. How blessed is the man who finds what? Wisdom and the man who gains understanding. So really wisdom will give you proper understanding. Now let's, let's go somewhere else. Everybody say, build structurally. Now, I have a mandate from God in my life right now. I don't really hold as many revivals as I instruct. So here's what we're doing. We are aiding the transition of the church in the earth. That's what you'll be doing. You'll be aiding in the transition of what the church looks like in the earth. And so if we don't have some proper non-negotiables in our life, we won't be able to bear the, 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 the weight of aiding this in the earth. Now, see, a lot of people believe that, and you will, when you go to church, you're going to get blessed, you're going to get imparted to, you're going to get all kind of stuff. But what you're going to come out of church being is a citizen of the kingdom, obligated to the earth to bring the love of God and all that goes with it. We are not our own anymore. How many know that? We're not our own. If we were our own, then the Lord would already come, took us out of here and forgot the whole thing. We're not our own. We've been built, created for the earth. We're made to, to create presence, and we're made to create open doors for people to know God in. So we build structurally. There are certain things, everybody says this, that we have to set in our lives. How many of you want to set something in your life? Ephesians 2 and 20 says, having built upon the what? Foundations of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. We have to have a very strong foundation prophetically in our lives or we'll get bogged down with the religious theology that is around us all the time. We have to understand what the kingdom of God should look like in the earth in our present day. Yes, it's true. God has done miraculous things. He's moved mightily in the earth. We have seen all kind of historical things that are landmarks in our life that we can look to and say that's who God is. So let's say this in our own lives. I know in my life, and I'm sure in your life, I can look back and see things that God did in my life that are landmarks in my life. They are non-negotiables. No one can tell me God cannot heal. No one can tell me God cannot and will not deliver. No one can tell me that the power of the Holy Ghost is outside of me because I witnessed the power inside of me, the healing of God. The non-negotiables are strong within me. But if we don't have any non-negotiables, we don't have a proper structure. We don't have a proper foundation. We can't do anything. And there are a lot of people today that have not witnessed the same things that I've witnessed. And their non-negotiables are a little different. But we have to have non-negotiables. Look at somebody and say, I'm not negotiating this. I'm not negotiating that God did not pre-order my future. I'm not negotiating that the kingdom of God is outside of me. The kingdom of God is inside of me. I have no power to negotiate, no de desire to negotiate outside his word. Because God will never come outside his word to do anything. Say that to somebody. If I feel something that's outside his word, it is not negotiable. I have to deny that as being truth. If I see something that's outside of his word, I have to deny that as being truth. Because I'm a citizen of the kingdom. I'm not a citizen of the natural. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. It is not negotiable with me as to when the Lord comes or if he don't come. I am put here to establish the power of the Holy Ghost in the time that I live in. I am put here to establish the word of God in 
the time that I live in. I am put here to bring revelation in the time that I live in. Not looking back, not looking too forward, but being present in the hour so that God and his delivering power can do what it is that he wants to do for the present world that I'm in. The world that I'm in right now does not need a revival. It needs a church that is alive and filled with present revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have to have a foundation, a non-negotiable one that will get you out of bed when you're sick. When everything in your life looks like it's going to fall apart, Jesus is number one. The only way to win battles is to know who has given you the power to win them. The only way to get through any kind of hardship is to realize this too shall pass. I will not make a wrong decision in my emotions. Say to your emotions, you don't rule me. It is not negotiable. The word of the Lord rules me. Those statements of the Bible rule me. The way I see Jesus rules me. Not how I feel about anything. Even when I don't see it, he's working. And surely when I don't feel it, he's working. He never stops, you understand, because he never comes outside what is established. His word is what turns the earth. He opposes all things with his word thy kingdom come thy will be done it's not anybody else not anybody else not any other thing other than the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ in the earth in his creation the sons of God the power on which we build is the power on which we stand and the power that we do not build on is the power we do not stand on One cannot live life without a foundation. The foundation must include fundamental non-negotiables, values, core beliefs, and core purpose. Some of the most trying moments of my entire life revealed my core purpose, revealed who I really was. Not who I was told I was, but who I really was. Men can see your gifts and tell you you're something. But gifts are there to aid who you are in God. They're not who you are. When you marry God, you come in covenant with God. When you get saved, you come in covenant with what He did. But when you marry God, you come in covenant with what you and Him do. There are testings in that marriage. There are times you fail Him. You take on other things in your life. But he, he is the husband. He stands strong as the covering over you. Forgives you over and over and over again. While you, the one who married him in emotion, now find out that it's going to take a whole lot more than an emotion to get you to keep this covenant. It's going to take a life-changing experience. Because the very kings that have ruled you, that you never knew ruled you, are now raising their heads. But now God, in his divine, ultimate, non-negotiable, unconditional, loving purpose, stands strong, never moves, never changes, never blinks. Because whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed and my conformity now is under pressure. The earth is under pressure. It is reeling and rocking. It's feeling the evidence 
of a non-negotiable covenant that heaven made with the earth that the kingdom of God would come through this generation or another generation. God is not negotiating to end what he said would be an everlasting covenant, but that he stands strong and everlasting over you saying, get up where you are and find out who you are and begin to establish the word of the Lord within your mouth. And when you do that, every emotion that is fearful, every emotion that is against your divine purpose, every emotion that elevates you to a, non, to a place where you're negotiating is going to fail you. You're going to fall, but I'm standing. I'll pick you up when you're done. I'll pick you up when you're through. But when I am finished with you, you will be finished with you as well. When I'm done with you, you will look back and say, how could have I? Now, Lord, I'm in love with you more than I've ever been. You know why? Because the love has been tested. The love has been tried. Do you realize the church is so prosperous? that it is not negotiable anymore as to what price you'll pay. Prosperity can be one of the worst enemies of a person. It can harden them because they're non-God dependent. But I'm telling you straight up right now, when God prospers you, when God orders your finances, when God brings you to a place that you know you would be nowhere without His hand upon you, your money is a powerful tool in the kingdom. Your voice is a powerful tool in the kingdom. Your body is a powerful tool in the kingdom because no devil in hell can raise its voice against the covenant that God made with you through the tragedies of your failures. Humility doesn't come because you had it right. Humility comes because you fell in your own vomit. But when you rise, you rise without a smell of any of it. Why am I saying this? Because we are living... And everything that can be shaken will be shaken. But that that remains is the kingdom of God. We are living in non-negotiable moments. Prayers will not change the mind of God concerning his birthing places. God is pushing, pushing, pushing. And I hear and see the crowning of the child. And I realize that we are in a prophetic moment. And we have to make prophetic decisions and we have to trust God with the results. We can't trust any emotion. We can't trust anything outside God with the results. Everything that God wants to do right now is not getty with me. I don't feel all like I want to run through a troop and leap over a wall. But I feel appointed and I feel strategic. And I realize that we must be then. As a general, I must be overseeing some kind of an army. Generals don't go to war, but they create great warriors. I'm telling you straight up, the general has created some great warriors for such a time as this. And the enemy knows and understands more than most of us. The reason he does is because he realizes that God will never change. And that birthing and recreation will always take place. And what he wants is to prolong his stay on the earth and in the earth through the ignorance of the body of Christ. But he won't get to do it because it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And everyone here is a mouth for God. I can't live without non-negotiables. I remember the Lord speaking to me many years ago and he said, what is negotiable with you? Well, I never thought about it at that, at that time. What is negotiable? Can I negotiate this stage? I said, I don't know. I like it here. 
I was being honest with him. I don't know. I like it here. Can I negotiate how you see yourself? He never says, I'm going to. He asks me. A father never pushes a son. He listens to his heart. I said, well, if that's what you want. You know why I said that? Because somewhere in my historical past, I had learned not to argue with God. But I'd also learned that not arguing with God brought me into a moment of decision. I'll never forget I was sitting at a restaurant, and the Lord said to me, you have to leave where you're at. They plotted against you. I said, they have? Yes, and go home and resign. So I went home, and the Lord, my, the, uh, the man I was working with, big church, the man I was working with, said to me, can we go to lunch? I said, sure we can. We went to lunch, fine restaurant. I was sitting there. This was in the heyday, and I was sitting there, and he looked at me with big sad eyes, and I said, you don't have to look sad. I know what you're saying. I know exactly what you want to say. Your boss has told you that I have too much power, and he wants me out of here. I said, you know, God is the power. I'm not the power. So you don't have to say that to me. I'm telling you today I resign. He said, you are amazing. I said, no, I'm not amazing. I'm not amazing because this trip is not amazing to me. This is a death trip. This is a complete foundational shaking in my life because I have learned not to trust one more time but I have learned whom to trust one more time I have learned that my life does not belong to a foundation built upon the sand but my life belongs to a foundation built upon the rock and obviously I have chosen the sand because the sand is predictable. The sand is very predictable. It can't take pressure, water, storms. Can't take any of that stuff. But the rock can stand and keep its house in place. The Bible says in Matthew 7 that two houses were built. You remember the story? That one house on the rock and the other on the sand. The verse 24 says, therefore, any, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man. What did he say? Hears and acts. I, let me tell you something. Acting on some of the words I could give you today was excruciating. Going through some of the trials, the tribulations, the hardships, the changes, and the decisions were very, very hard. Very, 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 very hard. To the point that I almost quit. You ever get to a place you almost quit? It's your greatest place. Because it's an opportunity for God to show you where to quit and where to start. When you get to the end of something, you've actually come to the beginning of what he wanted. When you get to where you can't trust anything, you get to the place to where you learn what to trust. When you get to the place to where you look at your anointing through different eyes, you realize that you don't own your anointing. But you certainly have to let your anointing own you. 
You don't own where it places you and what it calls you to do, but you certainly have to yield to the placement. You don't own the breakings. You don't own the trials, the tribulations, or the storms, but they have to come because there are non-negotiables God needs to place in your life for your future. And church, I'm telling you straight up right now, yes, he's a healer. Yes, he's a deliverer, but he is not going to share you with nobody. He is your God. You are his son. No one can own you. No one except him. Listen to me. There is a mighty roar that is in Zion today. And it's come because the sons of Zion have stood with the Father of heaven. And they are declaring the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Jesus hanging on Calvary felt the pain of Calvary but knew the end result was I have won the victory for the entire world. Can we understand today that the victory of Christ is within you and upon you and will live through you. You are the blessed of the Lord. You are the healed of the Lord. You are designed to win, not to lose, but you will go through storms, trials, and tribulations while you're changed for the evidence of the Holy Spirit. Kingdom theology often just teaches us who we are. Well, it don't tell you always how you're going to get there. But let me tell you, this old granddad's going to tell you, it's a trip, baby, and it will cost you your life. It will cost you your money. It will cost you your relationships. It will cost you friendships, maybe. But I tell you, the price is nothing compared to the peace it brings when you have settled in on the purpose of God in your life. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done in earth. I can't change any earth till mine is changed. This is why, and you can get mad at me if you want to, but please stay in your seat because I love you. But this is why so many of us want out of here and we believe that we're special because we're ignorant to the real purpose of our creation. We've been lied to. We've been told that there's a special breed in the earth and that heaven needs us much more and that we won't be able to withstand the trial of the tribulation. If Jesus could withstand the power of the pain of the cross, you and I can withstand the cross of our hour. We've got the same DNA as our creator. No weapon formed against you has power to change you or your mind unless you fear it. If you're in a place in your life today where you feel like you're overwhelmed with what's going on, I want you to look outside of that whirlwind and realize it's not against you. It's against what God wants for you. It's not against you at all. You're not, even in, you're not that important to the equation until you say yes. When you say yes, you're important to the equation. But when you say yes, I see the man on the white horse riding right into your life. And I see the victory of the Lord established beyond the trial of the tribulation. Hear you today that there is no weapon that is big enough to stop the blood of Jesus. There is no weapon big enough to stop the plans of God over your earth. Yes, you will feel defeated. Yes, you will go down. But you will always come up with a victory cry in your life if you choose to cry out and believe God. The strange thing about beauty is it fades, but the power that takes place in your life while it's fading 
is more precious than it. Everybody wants to be young today, even me. It'd be nice. The Bible says, who hears the words of mine, knocks on them. They're compared to wise men who built his house on the rock. Well, he didn't get wise all by himself. So we look at it like, well, that was a stupid man who put his, put his house on the sand. No, that man did not know what that other man knew. Or perhaps that other man did not listen to what that man knew. Or he'd never seen a storm that was designed to tear down the house he put on the sand. He's a man just like the other man, looked the same, probably sounded the same, might even have had some of the same education or even some of the same experiences. But he wasn't nearly as broken as that wise man. Wasn't nearly as wise as the man who had to get the sand off the rocks. He wouldn't take the time to find the rock. There's always rock somewhere. You have to dig for it sometimes. Sometimes not. You have to dig for it. I remember when we built our church in Fremont years ago, not the one I have now, but the other one. They dug and dug, but they didn't dig deep, and they hit rock, which made a shallow basement. We had to build up with the church because you couldn't go no further down. But the foundation was so solid because of all that bedrock. The only thing about that building today is you got to have a young congregation because they got to climb up in it. It would have been better had we not put a basement in it and just added a wing. Wisdom would have said not to do that because congregations age. You see, sometimes vision gets way past wisdom. Sometimes doctrines and theories get way past the people's progress. Oh, yes, true. But truth isn't always something that can work out as truth unless character is part of who carries that truth. See, character is something that's built when the storm comes. How could you ever expect to have a great relationship with anybody unless it was tried? Well, I'm leaving that friendship. They betrayed me. Expect a miracle. How can you ever build anything that hasn't been shaken? How can anything happen in anyone's life that has no trying? You try out a car before you buy it, don't you? To see if you like it or if, you, if it's worth the price or whatever. You get in it, they call it trying it out. Well, God's not trying you out. He already bought you. But what he's doing is he's making you realize what this thing really looks like. See, preaching and teaching are wonderful experiences. But that's all they are unless they go into somebody and they experience what you're speaking. Marriage is a wonderful thing until it's tried. Heaven looks good until you're ready to die. <laughs> Life looks wonderful when you're young and you feel immortal. But the older you get, the more you're thinking, I better get things really ready to go here. Because the eyes 
how we behold life. Everything changes when serious stuff begins to happen. Well, serious stuff is happening, and it's good stuff. It's wonderful for, to go home when your wife says, I'm going to have a baby. Boy, though, your life will never be the same. You just don't know it. Never will it be the same. I told Lydia the, when I left the house because both the grandkids were over, and they've got 1,680,000 toys in our family room. And I'm stepping through it. And I said to her, I now know why we don't have babies at this age. We would kill them. Right? Because I'm not going to. I never saw kids. I never, I never seen so many toys in my life. I never experienced so much hassle. In all, but I didn't feel that way when I was 18, 20. I, didn't, I don't know how I felt, but I, we didn't have 1,680,000 toys in the family room either. But what I am saying is I was much more tolerant than I am today. God knows what he's doing. He knows how to, to create in us value. Now, did I get mad because there's 1,680,000? No, I just stepped over and thought, this too shall pass. That's what you got to do with your trials. Ladies, gentlemen, that's what you got to do with your relationships. Is you have to learn how to this too shall pass because I'm not passing with it. This too shall not destroy me. This shall make me strong. You understand? Now, why, Bishop, would you say this? Well, number one, because we're living in a, a very, very changing well, evidence is changing world. The way the things used to be, a whole generation has to change to put them back. The evidence is, is that the church has to walk in its power and produce something other than a good word. And that's wonderful. Or we can't change the world. So here's what we have to produce. I'm not going to talk about signs, wonders, and miracles. I'm talking about character. We have to be unmovable and steadfast in business and have character. We have to be unmovable and steadfast in relationships and build character. We have to be dependable. We have to look reliable. We have to look like no flake is here. We have to have our prophetic voice right on. We have to understand that we're not sermonizing an ignorant audience, but we are teaching educated people who are promoting in the world what it is that they had established to promote. They're educated, called, formerly formal people in the earth that can be world changers. And the church was made to raise people. It was never made to have services. It was made to teach you how to formulate life and live it in your strongest and your best place. It was created so that we could organize to create a vision to bring Jesus to communities in the world. And that's the experience that we get along uh, with it is all the joy, the worship, everything goes with it, wonderful. But when we walk out these doors, we walk out by ourselves. We walk out with the loads of our family. We walk out with the loads of our businesses. We walk out with the loads of society upon us. And we have to have answers, and we have to know how to stand strong. But the Bible says that uh, here in the verse that the rains fell and the floods came. And I know it's, it, people say, well, that's just a story. They have fallen. They do come. And the winds blew and slammed against the house, and yet it didn't fail. I want to prophesy to you today and say to you, you don't have to fall, but you do have to learn how to stand. 
You don't have to fall every time something happens, but you have to learn how to stand. You have to trust God. Trusting God is not having it your way. Trusting God is knowing it'll work out because God is my Father and everything will be okay. Trusting God is not knowing the end from the beginning always, but it's trusting that God knew it and he'll establish it without me getting in his way. Trusting God is falling on your face and saying, I can't do this, only you can do this, Lord. I'll never forget in my life when that I went through a real, real life change. And I said to the Lord, what do I do? And the Lord said to me, you just keep on living and then everybody will believe. In other words, you keep on being consistent. You keep on moving forward because everybody that's plotted will not win. It is who you are that wins. And I learned young in life that if I really was that person, it wasn't hard to do. I didn't have to fake anything. I just had to go on against the wind and be what God called me to be. I want you to know that you are covered by the blood of Jesus. You are designed to win. You are designed to walk through and move through the floods, the storms, the trials, the tribulations. And you are to understand then that if God foreknew you and he allowed you to be in a fallen world, he also allowed you to get up and become a light within the midst of it. God made you more than any of us actually know we are but when we go through moments in our life where we have to look in the mirror and say what's next how many's ever done that what's next I want to know what to do next because right now I don't feel like I know what to do next God will come and he will make you able to move in a way that you didn't even know you were moving but the results will tell you that God worked in your life come on somebody God will help you when you feel like there is no help God will move upon you when you feel like there is no move God will deliver you when you feel like you can't take another step because if he sees in your heart that you are open and ready to move forward he will prosper you right where you're at you say well I don't know how God's ever going to get me through this he already has what you have to do is trust in the Lord with all of your heart lean not on your own understanding in all of your ways acknowledge him and God will give you direction he will open up your pathways and he will make testimony of what looked like to be a failure became a success Everyone who hears the words of mine and doesn't act on them, the Bible says, then they're not wise. Well, that would be me. I've been there. What about you? Both houses were tested, though. How many of you know? How many, how many feel like they've ever been tested? Anybody ever been tested? You don't know if you've been tested? Well, then you're not growing. You've got to know you're tested. Well, I know I'm right. That don't make you right. Right does not make you right. It's the attitude in which you think you're right in that makes you right. Law does not make you right. Law without grace is death. Grace without law is out of balance. There are boundaries in the kingdom. The boundaries that are in the kingdom look somewhat like the king. And if you don't see the king within your boundaries, then your boundaries will be tested. Both houses were tested. Sand, rep sand represents, I wrote this down here, the philosophies of man. They're ever-changing and ever-shifting. How many has been around people who ever-change and ever-shifting? They don't have any non-negotiables. Rock represents fundamental truths of the word, which include... Uh, Christ-centered principles. Man's ever-changing philosophies provide no foundation. This is why I want to tell you all something. You probably 
think, well, I can't believe Bishop said that. Prophecy will fail. But his word will never fail. Too much emphasis on prophecy can lead you into a place very destructive. Prophecy is always tested and tried, always proven, because man is always subject to the spirit of it. It's called the spirit of grace. Without the spirit of grace, one prophesies in law. So when we prophesy, we preach. When we preach, we prophesy through the spirit of grace. His grace is sufficient. So the sufficiency of the Lord has to always accompany us in our testing. When we feel like we're being tested outside sufficiency, then we're being tested in law. The law will cause us to fail and we'll fall. But if we're tested in sufficiency and we're tested in grace, the law will cause us to come through because it's a sufficient law. It's always sufficient to understand what does not go with your anointing. Now, as a church, I'm sure you've been directed as to what how this vision is to be accomplished, how this house is to operate, all those things. That's not mine to do. But what I am saying is anything that's going to be great is going to be tested. Anything that's going to be great. Is, Jesus was tested on the cross. He could have said, I'm getting off of here. And if I'd have been him, I'd have sure thought about it. He could have called 10,000 angels and put their headlights out. But see, something that went to the cross was more than Jesus, more than what we saw. It was the will of God before the foundations of the world consumed him. We never finish anything till we learn the will of God. Biblical foundations will never change. His word has stood the test of time just as time has stood in its path. You can count on the word of God. Somebody said to me recently, well, what is God going to do with me? I said, exactly what you believe he'll do with you. I said, what do you think he's going to do with you? Well, I don't know. I feel like I'm called to this. Maybe I'm not. I said, but he don't do any of that because you don't know who you are. God can't do anything when you don't know who you are. Who is your leader? Who is your father? What do you mean? The Holy Ghost is my father. I thought, ignorance is stupid. How can the Holy Ghost be your father? But, you know, people believe this stuff. They come up to me after I preached all this kind of stuff, and they tell me the Holy Ghost is their father. I say, you have no pastor? No, I don't believe in that. I said, then I have no words for you. I have nothing to say to you. I don't work in your vein. I don't understand that. Well, that's insulting. I said, no, that's not my intent. I don't have any grace for this. I'm, I, that would take me outside my grace. I don't know where to find it. I'm not taught that way. That's not possible for me to talk to you. Why am I saying this to you? Because people sit in churches or sit in congregations by the thousands and have no idea of what it costs to be a kingdom citizen. They have no idea what it costs to be a real prophet. They have no idea what the price is to really function or to run a ministry and to make something happen in a community that's worthwhile. It takes solidness. It takes walking through, standing strong, and knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt God's hand is upon us. I believe God's hand's upon you. I believe God's Sent presence is with you. Anytime a church is sent into a community, it is in perfect order. I believe that order is hated by the enemy. I believe anything that tries to work under the apostolic authority of an apostle is under some kind of a different kind 
of pressure. But I believe the birthing that comes out of that pressure is substantial and lasts for years. Year upon year because it is a non-negotiable. The Bible says it is built upon the, the apostles and the prophets. And how many of you understand today that you are built, this house is built upon the apostles and the prophets. You are a sent congregation. You are a sent ministry. And you have the hand of the Lord upon you. And the reason that I brought this word today is to tell you that if you feel tested, tried, or the wind is blowing, or the storms are rising, it is all part of the big blessing that's coming your way. Because God thinks too much of you to leave you untested. Because he thinks you can take it. He believes that you are able to walk past this cross and get the results. He believes that you're able to stand strong when others will not. Because you are in perfect order with his harmony in heaven. So the truth is this. Anything God knows he can trust, he'll elevate. I believe that God can trust you. I believe that God will trust you. I believe that God's actually placed you here to make you a trustworthy basket that can hold many blessings. But we got to understand, and I say this so it put even your memory, if something happens to you tomorrow and you say to yourself, I don't know why God let this happen, just remember God let you happen. And what happens in you, God already foreknew what it was you would need to know to do in this time. He foreknew you. He predestined you. He anointed you. He equipped you, and no trial is bigger than anything I just said about you. God has made you able to triumph in the midst of the most hard and difficult moments in your life. You will come out strong, and you will come out triumphant, because that's how you actually went in. You just weren't aware of it. On the other side of any kind of test is a past grade. After the past grade, there is an elevation. I feel an elevation waiting, hovering upon the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in our world today. But I know there are storms, tests, and trials. When I preach the kingdom, I can preach it from a place up here. I can preach it from a place down here, but I'm preaching it right here today so you will understand the mightiness of God does not always come by falling. It's birthed in us. And God is birthing something in us today. Yeah, there are times when the presence just seems to fall. The word just seems to come easy. But then there are times when you know the price that you paid to be where you are today. And you thank God that you paid the price because you're carrying the treasure in your hand. Come on, y'all. He that weepeth, bearing precious seed, uh, will, will come forth with rejoicing, bearing all that seed in his bag. You know what I'm saying? The scripture says he's, he's full of weeping. He's full of brokenness, but he comes bearing all that treasure in his bag. Now, I don't believe you're full of weeping and you're full of all of that. I believe you're full of appointments. And I believe that appointment can bring you to a place in your life to where that you recognize, I've got a whole lot more for me than against me. And how many of you know you've been appointed to a much better life than what perhaps you've even enjoyed today? So I want you to go out of here today realizing that there's nothing that is in the way of your future but you. And what you've got to do is say to the Lord, I surrender. I give it to you. Even when I don't see it, I know you're working. Even when I don't feel it, I know you're working because you've never stopped. I've never felt or seen that Lord ever stop on anything that he promised or that he intended to produce in the earth in a time that I'm in. Can you say amen? Come on, somebody, listen to me today.
the Bible says the rain came. I'm going through this, and then I'll, I'll quit. The Bible came. The Bible says the, the rain came and beat upon the house. How many of you ever felt like the rain beat on you? Say amen to me. I felt it many a time. You can say that. Yes, but it represents what? what what's, what's that represent? When something is really, really beating on you. It's testing the prosperities of your life. It's testing what you've already prospered in. The floods represent demonic powers. How many of you know they flood in, but the Bible says that God raises up what? He, a standard. What is a standard? Something, your faith. He raises up something in you that causes a rebuke to come to that. That's who and what God is. This is why we want to see the characters being built, the things that are happening in all of us. So you've got great testimonies, I'm sure, that you can share about what God has done in your life. Even though you've walked many years with him, you've been through all of this stuff, you're still on this side of heaven. Can you say amen with a blessing in your life? Isaiah 59 and 19 says, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west, the glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. He'll flood the, the enemy. Can you say amen? The winds blew up on the house. Winds represent doctrines of men. How many ever heard windy doctrines? People with all kinds of different understandings. Ephesians 4.14, as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried by every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men. I want everybody to say, to say today, I am established by the word of the Lord and no weapon formed against me will I allow to prosper because I belong to the kingdom of God. My father is God. Amen. Hallelujah. Even when I don't see it, he's working. Can you say amen? Even when I don't feel it, he's working. How many of you today know you're healed in the Lord? How many of you have been sick and you witnessed God's healing? There you go. Look at all that. How many of you have ever been tried and there was a moment in your life where you felt like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. But you've come on the other side of it. Lift your hand. So you know what I've talked about is true today. Amen? The reason that I've said it is obvious. We have to get this in our non-negotiable life. This part of our life is not negotiable. We stand, can you say amen, to see the glory of God. What the apostle dreamed for your house is a dream God gave him. And so you're standing to help fulfill the will and the plan and the purpose of God. What God dreamed over this house in the future beyond that, he'll show to those leading. And you can accomplish more than even what he dreamed. And that's because Every generation inherits a prophetic response from heaven. Hallelujah.